Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Let us help you escape your mind. Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 149 today. Uh, we're going to be talking Trip Reports Part 3. Um, so we're, we just took like a two-week hiatus or so. We're, we're sorry for that, but we had to get some stuff and I had to move. And Maurice was uh, hiking in the uh, the Rockies, so we'll get to that here in a second. But Not uh, the Rockies, but in Colorado, okay. around Aspen area. All right. Um. So, Get it right, bro. Get it right. I don't really care. So, <laughs> I mean, I like it. Feels your, good to be back, though. You know what I'm I saying? I like your pictures and uh, your video. Uh, actually, I haven't seen any of your clips that you made yet, but I like your uh, your pics. There's some good pics in there. Check Thanks, them out man. on IG, Maurice Hogan. Yep. Um, so, also, don't forget to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast. Uh, we just added a bunch of new tiers on there and Maurice is working on getting those shirts. Hopefully, uh, I've been on his, um, ass Rump. the last couple days. <laughs> um, no. so hopefully we get those done and, uh, same thing as before the $5 one that we added, the $10 one that we added, and then the, uh, $50 one. So check those out. And, um, also check out Indra's web. Uh, indrasweb.org is our new app that we created. Um, you know, it's to connect open minds, all the topics we talk about on this podcast, metaphysics and metaphysical topics, whether it be, you know, philosophy, UFOs. I mean, that's a hot topic right now with the whole, uh, life on Venus, um, and, uh, all the UFO news. Um, so go check that out, sign up and you will get an alert when it goes live. I don't, I don't know exactly the date that we're going to go live with it yet, but I think it'll be sometime soon. And, um, also I am going to be moderating, um, for one of Tom Lane, who's been a guest on the show. I think we've done Gotta love Tom. Yep. five or six episodes with him, uh, but I'll be helping moderate his five-hour um, intensive. Uh, um, he's going to do like a talk on sacred mushroom rituals. Um, and like that'll a webinar, be, right? Yeah, it's a webinar for Psilocybin Summit. So you can go to psilocybinsummit.com and sign up. If you type in uh, escape at the end, you will get a 10% discount off. And, um, that should be fun. He's always, you know, really interesting to listen to talk about the Mesoamerican metaphysics and the sacred mushroom rituals and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, we give him a nice free form, uh, format to, to talk for as long as he wants, but this seems to be, it's going to be a lot longer than an episode of our show. Right. Correct. Um, yeah, yes, sir. Beautiful. Um, you might want to scoot over a little bit in your screen. I don't know why you're off to the... There you go. Hello. Um, you you good? Yes, sir, Bob. That new computer and that new desk throwing you off. No. I, I like your new background, though. It's uh, Professor Maisie. <laughs> this guy's got... <laughs> I love that. It's nice. Um, and actually, I think... 
the screen actually did do something a little different than the last. Yeah, that's. I think that's the problem. That's what's going on here. But it's whatever. It's fine. We'll I'll get that straightened out. But I think that had more to do with there is an update for our software, so we'll get that okay. squared away. Um, Stick with us, folks. We're working out the kinks. We're back and uh, we're ready to chit chat. Yeah. Um. But uh. So. Let's let's jump in here. Um, this this is the episode I wanted to talk about some of the more recent um, psychedelic experiences and stuff, and you know, get down to the more mystical experiences. Because I feel like more of my mystical experiences have been more associated with my recent spiritual awakening, like over the last you know few years or so. Um, and, and like we mentioned before, early on. Um, they weren't really, we didn't have the reverence for them and there just wasn't the perspective to, you know, get that whole thing going. So, yeah. um, why don't you talk a little bit about, uh, your most recent, one of your most recent ones. So I just got back from a backpacking trip out in Aspen. We went to Snowmass Lake and Maroon Bells, that area. It's beautiful out there, but we, I took a bunch of, I took like a quarter out there. My cousin, we wanted them and I was giving him a hard time. Like I, you, you told me to bring seven grams. You, you better start eating them. And we were, you know, we were messing around. We were taking like, I, I weighed out a bunch. So I knew like the weights of, um, of the, of the particular mushrooms. And I was taking like a point one, a little micro dose. And I wanted to take a micro dose for a couple of days in a row to see if there was actually any therapeutic benefits from it. And um, it seemed to really keep me, my anxiety down. It seemed to keep my mind at ease, but the last day I didn't really want to get crazy out in the woods. Cause number one, you're surviving. That's the most important thing. Number two, I'm out there shooting video and pictures and just working the whole time. And mm-hmm. when you're back home, you, you really hate yourself. If you're lazy and don't get the photos that you, you, you get out there to do, it's hard because you're super tired and you know, you're, 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 you're messing around with the elements and you're just trying to survive. But when you get back, you're like, Oh, I wish I would have shot that river a little more. So I was just working my working as hard as I could. Didn't want to just get into a full mind escape, if you will. Um, until we had a hotel room and I didn't really have to worry about, you know, packing up and doing all that kind of stuff. So the last day we were in Aspen, I ate like a gram and it was, it was the most interesting experience I've ever had. So I ate this, this gram and my cousin and the other guy we were with they went to a restaurant and had some food my stomach was a bubbling i really didn't want to eat anything so i just went out and there's a there's a path in aspen that runs like well we were like on this we were in the city outside aspen we were at this place called buttermilk it's where they have the winter x games Mm. um it's just a little cheaper aspen super expensive so we got a hotel room at this city right next door but there's a there's a path, there's like a bike path that goes from, it's like a 42 mile path apparently. I was doing some more research. So anyways, I could walk the path from our hotel pretty much all the way into downtown Aspen. And I was going to uh, just meet my cousin and his buddy at like a bar when they were done eating. They were going to take a taxi there. So I start out down this trail and I'm feeling good and it starts to come over me and I'm feeling high. And I'm really enjoying myself, and I'm, I'm, I'm bopping down the road. I'm listening to some funk. I'm having a good time, mm-hmm. and it was really strange. It was like, as soon as I got myself into this having a good time mindset, 
something changed and it was like, no, this isn't a good time. This is a time to work. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, my anxiety like started getting worse and worse. And I'm like, what the fuck's going on here? Like, am I having a bad trip? What's going on? Like, I've never felt, I don't know what the feeling, it was just, it was hard to explain. It was just, and I was walking real fast. You know what I'm saying? Cause I'm a fast walker. You can attest to that. I'm just like a, I'm a quick guy. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, bird-like. I think just bird like, if you will. But anyway, so I'm walking real fast and I'm starting this, in this, this, the mushrooms are starting to come over me and, and then all of a sudden I just had an epiphany. I don't know where it came from. It maybe it was the mushrooms. Maybe it was a combination of that working with my brain, but it was just slow the fuck down. Mm. And it just, it was in my mind, slow the fuck down, dude. What are you doing? And it was just like a, a metaphor for my whole life. Like me walking fast down this trail was an exact metaphor of how I've been living my life the last like couple of months or year or whatever. And I'm just go, 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 go. When I'm not working, I'm, I'm doing photos or I'm doing video or I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like every single thing I do is somehow just either work or I'm just, I'm nonstop moving. And it just kept saying, slow, slow down. What are you doing? Slow down. So I started to slow down and I started to walk real slow and then all of a sudden the anxiety started to dissipate and then it's and it was like it was like a reassuring thing it's like yeah you this is what you're supposed to be doing and then it i came across to dissipate it started to dissipate <laughs> and then i came across the uh a little a little park they have this golf course that like runs along the road it's a massive golf course but it's pretty cool cuz it has like intertwining trails where people can ride their bike down through the cart paths and it like it attaches to other trails. The whole city is a massive trail. So if you're into outdoors, it that's the kind of how Colorado is in general is just And you were outside trails. of Aspen? No, I was in Aspen at oh, this okay. point. I was right next to the Aspen uh, Golf Club, I think it's called. But so I sat down at this picnic table and it was just keep telling me it's like slow down, slow down. So then I, I, I obviously I came to a full stop and I sat at this picnic table and uh, the song came on. <laughs> I think it's Chris Isaac. It's like, uh, yeah, I know. I want to be in love. Oh, that, that one I song. It was, it was like the one super... where he's on the beach with like the model or whatever. That song. That, it, that's not the one. No, that one's like, I want to fall in love. Yeah, no, that's the one I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, yeah. And they and the song is super mellow and super like chill and it's a slow uh, it's a slow beat so mm. that tune kind of took over me and I'm like this is it man slow down so then I sat at this table and uh, I just kept slowing down more and more and I started watching these ducks and they were just like gliding across this pond like effortlessly and for some reason I just was picturing myself as a duck and it's like you don't need to force anything like look at these animals just gliding and that's how that's how you are you just need to glide through life and whenever you push the, my whole epiphany was in my mind before this happened i thought that if i did more stuff that it would take my mind off the anxiety mm-hmm. but then i came to realize that me pushing myself so hard actually is a direct it's like a reverberation it like forces the anxiety more 
because you're never slowing down. So like you're constantly going and going, which in, at first I thought if I keep my mind occupied that I will never have time to think bad things or think, you know, worry about the past or worry about the future or anything like that because I'll be focused on the task at hand. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it's like being on the go, go, go was making that anxiety go, go, go. So I sat, I watched these ducks for a little while and then I even just closed my eyes and just let go of everything. And it was super weird. It was like everything was kind of like swirling when I closed my eyes. Mm-hmm. And then it just swirled, swirled, swirled. And then boop, it just turned black. And it was like I slowed down to the so much that the worry and everything just, just went away. Mm. And then I opened my eyes and I looked around and like the anxiety was gone. I got up. I And then me walking because i'm a fast walker and it wasn't really about the fast walking it was like the walking fast was the metaphor for the way i live Mm got to get there got to be on time got to keep moving got to keep moving and it was weird because then i started walking my normal pace and the anxiety really didn't come back time stickler for sure (laughs) when we're having technical issues when we're trying to figure out you know with the guest or trying this guy is just an animal with this time thing yeah, but well, look, it's know. good to be timely. I'm I'm gonna. Lo- that's probably my weakest, you know, my weakest uh, link. Yeah, yeah, is my time. I mean, I'm I'm usually on time, but I'm not bound by time like most people. Right. Are. Well, I appreciate time, and I appreciate other people's time, so I try and be there if you know in a timely fashion. But for me, it's more it's more about the being on time. It's just being on the go, go, go because I never want to let my mind sit because then when my mind sits then i get into trouble so mm-hmm. again this whole thing it was and, that, and that, that's the other funny thing that i kept saying to myself was as soon as i was about to have fun on the mushy it says no 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 mm. this isn't a fucking fun drug this is a sacred thing mm-hmm. and that stuck into my mind like hardcore and it was like you don't take this shit to have fun bro you take this thing to do inner work Mm-hmm. And that's why I wanted to be away from my cousin because, my, you know, my cousin was having a good time. He was eating them, too. He was partying. He was drinking a couple beers. And, you know, he was, he was doing the normal take a couple mushrooms, have some yeah, fun. Him and Nick thing. have always been kind of been able to somehow do them and not get caught up in the mental game of it. Right. But, I mean, I th- that's the other thing is I think a lot of the time before when I would, whenever I would take an extra like substance, whether it be an MDMA or a mushroom or something like that, I was always consuming alcohol and the alcohol like masks. Oh, for sure lessens masks, the effects. Yeah. Like we used to oh, joke yeah. around, like if you want to come down on mush, like if you have to drink a couple beers and you'll, you'll sober up oddly enough. I don't, I mean, I don't know if that's the same thing for everybody. I think obviously people have different body chemistries, but I know for me, that's always been the case. That's why I kind of stayed away from that combo. I mean, it's happened a few times, but it's it's kind of a waste. Well, that's why I was that's why I was a big drinker. I remember when I was twenty three ish when we were recording our first album, and the anxiety was still there. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's been there my whole life. But I took a, a little shot of whiskey, and then I I was like paying attention. I'm like, wow, the anxiety's gone. And then ever since then, I'm just I know. If I go to the bottle or the beer or whatever, it'll take it away immediately. But then you're just putting a Band-Aid over a bullet wound, and it's not really – you're not doing the inner work. And then the last two years, I've been pretty much sober last year and a half, and it's like you would think that it would be instant. You'd be instantly just like the best person ever, but it's like, oh, no. Now these problems are 
bubbling up and you don't have the booze to, 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 to hide behind. So now you really have to do the work, which I'm down with doing the work. Um, it gets scary at points, but again, back to the sacred mushroom thing, it's not a, it's not a joke. It's not a game and it's not something to be messing around with. I only ate a gram. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a lighter dude and I think my system's kind of, kind of weaker. So that, that was enough for me to, 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 I mean, depending on the species or batch, I mean, I've, I've blasted off on that amount before. I mean, usually I take at least a half an eighth, but I mean, I've gotten there with less. Right. But it was, it was, it was strange, man. It was, again, maybe it was me in my own mind creating it, but it was like the most psychedelic I I've seen crazy visuals and stuff like that. But the way that this thing unfolded where at first I was having fun, I was bebopping and skipping down the road, listening (laughs) to like funk music and shit. And then all of a sudden it was just like, it was a halting break and the anxiety ramped up and it's like, you're going to fucking deal with this right now, bro. Because this is why you took it. I, I took it because I wanted to deal with that issue. And that's why I separated myself from the rest of the group because I wanted to be alone and yeah, I had a positive experience, and I'm still kind of right, riding the crest of that wave. I don't know. I think uh, I think the microdosing has a good effect as well. And if you're not like ready to confront confront your demon to that degree, I think the microdosing is a good way to spread out the actual drug. So you're not like going on a trip. It's more just like getting in your system slowly and helping the the nerves in your brain kind of. Uh, bind back together well you bring up an interesting point which is i've seen this in i mean i won't mention who but somebody else in my own family where they're just constantly working and then when they're not working they're working on their yard and when they're not working on their yard they're doing this and when they're not doing that and it's just non-stop and i know this person has anxiety but they deal with it in that way so it's similar to what you're talking about where when you're always on the go and you're always doing something and you're always keeping your mind busy um you kind of repress you know, a lot of the issues that you have and don't actually deal with them because in a way you are dealing with them, you know, like by getting all those dopamine hits and endorphins and stuff from being active. Yeah. You're getting something out of it for sure. Um, so it might help you rest easier at the end of the day, but it's again, like you mentioned, you're still not addressing the actual root cause of what that, that feeling is. That's, you know, that anxiety or depression. Well, pushing yourself, pushing yourself that's like it's like the antithesis of of anxiety it's like that's not the way to solve it because you're you're putting yourself in that rushing state of mind right the whole point the, the whole way to get out of that is to do the exact opposite and lay around and and not do a fucking thing but obviously i'm not going to do that but you have to take a break and like three weeks ago when i, I had a bunch of trips i was going on um and then I had a bunch of work to do, and it was just like I never took a break. Like I'd get up in the morning, I'd work out, I'd do this, I'd do that, then I'd sit at the computer, I'd edit. And then when I wasn't editing, I was fucking around with photos. And I'm like, oh, well, me fucking around with photos is like someone playing a video game. Um, But the, it was still work. And then when I wasn't fucking around with videos, I was watching uh, YouTube videos on how to take better pictures. So I was constantly <laughs> thinking about of of work and doing work. Right. And you just gotta, you gotta carve out a little bit of time for yourself each day. 
What do you got? Some Whether it be a half an hour going on, would you eat a sub before? I'm, a, we... I'm having. No, no, I'm just burping and burping and burping. You an Italian nightclub from Jimmy John's before we started. This? <laughs> That's good capicola. <laughs> um, yeah, I actually have them take that off if I ever wear that. Um, yeah, so you absolutely have to address those things at some point, you know. Otherwise, they're just skeletons in the closet for another day. You know, it's like. People that, you know, if you have a panic attack, I'm sure most people that have had anxiety or depression have been prescribed something like Xanax or some, something similar. And it's just mm-hmm. a Band-Aid. You take it, and then the next day you wake up, and it's like, oh, I still have these same problems. So it's not, you know, those aren't like cure-alls or something that are supposed to be taken regularly. So No, it's something to be used, like, in the worst-case scenario. I was talking to my uh, psycholog- psychiatrist about that. He's like, you could have a drink. And, you know, it's not the end of the world. The problem is that if that drink works, then you're going to be like, oh, that's a good that's a good answer. And then you might go back to right. that as like a crutch. Absolutely. No, that's a good experience. Um, I guess we'll go back and forth here. I'm trying to think of a. Well, actually, now is a good time to mention, too. We started a blog um, and I wrote the first entry for it. Uh, you can go to our website, uh, mindescapepodcast.com, and go under blog, and the first one should be there. Uh, it's about o- my OCD and psilocybin and how, well, I'll tell the story right now. This will be my first one. Yeah, get into it. So um, so er- as we mentioned on the first two parts, earlier, like in our teen- late teens and early 20s and stuff, we used these substances a lot, obviously. Um, so I had a relationship with psilocybin. It's always been one of my favorite, um, psychedelics. I've obviously have tried LSD and mescaline and all the other ones, but the one that I really identify with is psilocybin for whatever reason. It just hits me the right way. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so I had taken them probably, you know, I don't even know how many times, but a bunch of times from the time I was 17, 16, 17 till the time I was, in my early 20s and then 22 23 i start to uh develop uh i wrote write about it in the blog about how i come to kind of like i kind of ponder my own mortality for the first time because i was raised catholic and not that i was like strict or anything like that but just the idea i always had it in the back of my mind oh people go to heaven or whatever the case may be, you know, whatever you believe. Yeah, I'm right there with you. We were so, from the same family. So it's obviously. a nice, yeah, it's a nice cushion, you know, it's something to fall back on. That way you can go about your daily life and, um, you know, you have something bigger to fall back on if you need to. Uh, but in my early twenties, I started to actually question, um, you know, the things we talk about on this show, like metaphysics and ontology and teleology and epistemology and I realized that a lot of the stuff that I was just going off of, I had never really researched deeply before, you know, whether it be, you know, the Bible or esoteric ancient works and how things really went down and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, in by doing that, I kind of opened this door in my mind, which was now there's this like, you know, it's almost like fight or flight kind of a thing where like everything started to kind of come at me and make me nervous because the thought then of this is it, this is the only life you have kind of triggered me for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, so that happened. I think it triggers a lot of people. Well, but that happened. So that happened in my early 20s. And they say that most people that get OCD, anxiety disorders, whatever the case may be, kind of 
start to develop that stuff in their mid twenties. Um, and I write in the the blog about that too, about, you know, your, your frontal cortex isn't fully developed until you're 25. And, right. um, so that's where I was at. And then, um, it first manifested itself as like hypochondria. You know, I was always worried I had this or I had that, or, you know, is that a tumor? Do I have cancer? You know, whatever the case may be. And then, and most people think of like OCD is like, Oh, you clean your room. Well, that's one, one aspect of it. There's a lot, there's so many different forms of it. You know, you could be afraid of, uh, yeah. Cluttered messes. You could be afraid of, you know, some people have thoughts like it's called pure O where you just think, negative things and like loop like loops in your mind and you can't uh-huh. stop it uh that's one aspect of it some people have actual rituals like washing your hands or organizing things on tables or whatever the case may be um so it's not this cute quirky thing it's like oh i have ocd i clean rooms yeah th- i mean that's fun to joke around about but real ocd well, i also think everybody has a little bit of it to a degree well, it's kind of I, I think it's related to addiction in some way personally um but mm-hmm. we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, so that's kind of what it started with was this hypochondria stuff. And then it kind of slowly started to manifest itself into something else, which was like more specific, you know, fears and triggers and things like that. So, um, so at that point, you know, I started going to see all the top in the area psychologists, psychiatrists, sleep experts, you know, I've never been a great sleeper i've always suffered from like insomnia even since high school so um you know trying to deal with all that and um you know was working out a ton at the time too i was trying everything you could to kind of um figure out how to beat this thing and nothing was working and then on top of that i was taking all the medicines that they were prescribing so the way it works though is these medicines take like six weeks to get like settled in your system for them to even start working so you won't even know when you start taking one of these things for six weeks if it's actually going to really help you. So I, right, ended, right. I ended up going Got through, faith in that stuff. Well, I ended up going through like a most of them. I mean, I'm sure new ones have come on since then or whatever. But I was taking all these things. I was going to therapy, and uh, none of it was working, and it was just kind of like a hopeless kind of a situation. Um, and I, my family felt real bad. They didn't know how to help me. They wanted to help. Um, yeah, can I interject real quick though? Because sure. I've been I've been talking about that um, a lot lately too, and it's it's funny when you get into these ruts that you feel hopeless. You said the word hopeless, and you feel like you're never gonna get out of it, and it's that's part of the of the of the whole thing. It's like it tricks you to believing that this you're stuck in this thing for the rest of your life, and mm-hmm. and then that adds on top of it, and it makes it even worse. But in the reality of it is, is you felt good before. And you feel bad now, you're going to feel good again. So I just wanted to say that because I know a lot of people that deal with that. And I've had the hopelessness thing a lot. And But you can't just, just, you can't just like feel bad for yourself though and do nothing about it because it won't, then you won't really come out. I mean, you might come out of it a little right. bit or whatever, but you're still going to be kind of stuck in that like poor me mindset and like nothing will go your way. Um, mm-hmm. So you actually do have to, you know, do something. Pro- be proactive. Yes, sir. Um, so yeah, so hopeless. I didn't know where to, to turn to or where to go or what was going on. Um, and then um, I started like doing some research and just thinking about it. And I stopped taking all, everything I was taking um, and going to see all the people I was seeing. And by the way, I don't 
condone this is just my journey this is what worked for me everybody's different um yeah if you want to try something i suggest consulting with a doctor if you have no idea what you're doing with these substances um and uh, my mom's taking some over-the-counter stuff for depression and it's worked wonders for her so like exactly like what you said you got to find your own chemistry but i was just me personally i was resistant to the all the things that were being thrown at me um on top of you know probably again having other issues that i had never dealt with so um so yeah so i was at that point where i stopped doing everything and um because even some of them were making me feel worse too which was kind of odd but um i stopped doing stopped taking everything stopped seeing everybody and then i started thinking and it was a dark place though too it wasn't like oh i'm pondering you know this amazing it was very dark and i was just kind of thinking like how do I get out of this? I don't know. It's pretty brutal. Um, is that when you were living with us? It was even after that a little bit. Um, okay. After I moved back to Chicago, after living with you in that house in Detroit, um, it kind of got worse a little bit, but then it got really good. But then, but so here's what happened. So when I got back um, to Chicago, um, I contacted one of my buddies because I was thinking I haven't, taken psychedelics in a long time um Mm -hmm. at that point it was like a few years a couple years or a few years or something of just dealing with this you know mental thing and this anxiety and ocd and just as like a constant onslaught of it so i didn't wasn't really like oh i need to take these things or i wasn't even really thinking about it Uh, i was just thinking about like how can i get back or some semblance of normalcy here um so i contacted a friend uh who was able to find me like a quarter, uh, seven grams dried. And uh, I ended up eating half, uh, so like 3.5 roughly. An eighth, yeah. Um, and I remember for like six hours or so, I forgot I even had OCD or like anxiety, and I didn't think about that at all. It was just like this like pure consciousness experience where I was just a being, you know? I didn't have any worries or and and you would think that having all those issues that it would kind of bring them out but i think since i was already battling those every single day this was like some weird you had enough it was like a reset button it was like a a weird release where it was like oh there's life outside of that way of thinking and i completely forgot about it so um before that that you know was happening it was just this constant loop in my mind and i you know I'm sure the science, you know, will continue to evolve, but like what we know about like neuroplasticity and um, taking psychedelics and stuff like that. And, you know, you can look up, there's charts where it shows people that take psilocybin, their brain connection, like their connectivity. There's far more new neural connections after they take the psychedelic than when they um, are not on it. So um, maybe there's something there. Maybe I created a new path in my mind where I was, yeah, I still have the OCD. I'm not cured, but I was able to like go down this new path where I'm able to kind of see it from like a third person and then kind of take it on that way as opposed to being stuck in that mind loop and just this, you know, endless, you know, it's almost like somebody pulling your eyelids back and you're watching the same horror movie over and over and over. Um, so yeah, and you just had it. You have enough of it. You're like, I, I'm having, I, I've had enough of this. And I, I you know, that's right. when it all starts to get to, to build up and yeah. So I, um, 
so yeah, so it's like six hours and I remember smoking coming down. I'm like, this is, this was like going home. Like I, I felt like a kinship to the, to psilocybin, you know, like there's something about that compound that really I connect with on like a different level than I would say pretty much any other, well, I mean, maybe THC or CBD, but other than that, I, you know, I think that that's probably as far as psychedelics goes, that's the, the one that I identify with most. Um, now, do you think you needed that much to to to, to achieve what you did? So or? that's that's what I was going to say before. You mentioned microdose. I know you like it, and you're a big proponent of it. I don't really like it. I feel like it's kind of a waste. I'd feel like I'd rather if I had three grams set aside for microdosing or whatever. I would rather just take them all at once and have a amazing experience. And then you know, because when you do it like that, in my opinion, it does reset your mind. It cleanses you and it lasts longer and it's more intense. And then when you come down, you have that feeling of like you're refreshed that you're coming down, but then you got to get your life into order. Cause you know, I got to chop, chop, you know, the next There's day. an urgency there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess it just depends on your situation though. Cause like you said, you're kind of trying to take a step back from that urgency. So maybe that isn't, you know, what you should be looking for, for you personally. But for me, that's what I needed. I feel like, but you've, you you're used to that. If you get, if, if someone like, let's say my mom, who's never even smoked pot, she's not going to eat three grams and have a good experience. You're used to that. You know what it feels like to trip and stuff. The microdosing is more geared for people that never have done psychedelic drugs. Because if you put yourself, you could have a bad reverberation. If you put yourself into a trip, and aren't like prepared for it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's the I, microdose is more up that alley. Where yeah, it's like I think it depends. You can get it in their system without having a, a massive mental if you're trip a, going on. Yeah, if you're a novice or you have no experience with these substances, yeah, I mean, I whatever makes you feel comfortable. I, I mean, on the first episode, the part one that we did, uh, the first time I took psilocybin, remember we were talking about it in your basement. Um, I eat two grams. I mean, that's not a little bit, you know, it's a decent amount. Um, it's a medium I, dose. And I had a, to I th- that was like a mystical experience and I didn't have an experience like that again until I got, became older and was interested in like the topics that we talk about now, like metaphysics and metaphysical things and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, see what was interesting about the, the, the trip that I had, uh, as soon as I came to that epiphany, all the effects were gone. It was very strange. Hmm. It wasn't like, oh, I'm tripping now and I'm going to have fun. It was like as soon as I came and sat down and like went through that all, all the f- weird effects of the thing were like gone. I don't know. I thought you were going to stop after that as soon as I came. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, but I, again, so what, you ate 1.0, right, or 1 gram? Yeah, it was about, it was probably between 0.75 and a gram. And were they like potent? Were they kind of fresh or were they? No, I don't think they really were all that strong. However, I was eating 0.1, 0. 0.2, 0. 0.3. I, I did that like three out of the five days we were there. So I was kind of building up a little tolerance to it, which I think really had an effect on it. Yeah. So if you do, see, that's another reason. Like if I, if anytime, especially when I was younger, I mean, cause we used to do crazy stuff, but I would take you know, if you took like three grams and then the next day you tried to take three grams, you would probably need to eat a quarter at least, which I have done to even feel anything. And even then it's kind of a waste. You need to like space it out for sure. In my opinion, that's just me personally, but I feel like, um, you know, the microdose thing, obviously you're not doing it to get that effect. So I guess it does, it, it's a whole different ball game, but, um, 
again, it's it's all tailored to like what you like. So I think you know, there's some people where I think microdosing is obviously beneficial, but somebody, you know, you watch whether it's Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia or watch interviews with people talking about like mental health and like you know going through these trials and stuff. And there's it's always like um, you know associated with like this mental reset and like a little bit of a higher dose. You know, you're not going to go into one of these clinics and take like 0.5 or anything like that. So right. Do you think that the uh, the psychedelic journey is like is personal to the person? Like the thing that I went through, if someone else, I mean, it has to be my own, right? Like if you ate a gram, you would never have that same experience. Well, there's archetypal it, parts of trips. I mean, we know this. Like the when you first eat, if you eat like a large amount of it, I, I talk about this in the blog that I wrote too uh, on our uh, website. When you take um, a large amount sometimes I at least this is what I would think and I've talked to other people about this too and they say they felt like that too is like you almost have this feeling of like what did I just do like you almost like regret in a way not not like oh I shouldn't have done that but more like oh my gosh this is about to happen kind of a thing you well know? that's a wave that pa- yeah I've had that too that passes over you that's almost exactly what happened it's like whoa did you eat too much <laughs> and then the wave kind of activated the anxiety and then, and that's when I started really thinking, it's like, dude, this is a sacred mushroom, man. Why are you, don't, get it out of your mind that you're taking this to party. Cause at first I was, like I said, I was, <laughs> I was bopping down the road, having a good time. And I was like, music Blasting sounds awesome. fish in your, uh, AirPods. I had, I had, I think I had lettuce going or the meters. That was what it was. It was the meters, the one tune that the they're popular meters. for. Yeah. 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 And, uh. And then all of a sudden it hit me. It's like, no, you're you're not having fun on this one, my friend. You're not having fun at least until you deal with what you've set out to do. Yeah. So, um, but to wrap up that whole thing is, is um, yeah, there's no silver bullet for like OCD. I mean, I don't know. I guess some people, I know that there's some people have claimed that it's cured them and that more power to you. Um, I personally don't know how that would be possible for me and what I have, but... Uh, what it has helped me do is manage it. So when I have had my macro doses um, of recent years and then did like CBT therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, being able to look outside yourself a little bit and then go in and actually do that therapy has been super beneficial because you analyze your like emotions and um, you know, how you feel when these things are happening and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, I think it just depends, but so um in terms of what I mentioned before, I think the macro dose is what helps me. So that's pretty much how I look at it. But I'm I'm always uh, down to new data or new tests, you know, or new studies or whatever. So, um, but yeah, so that was my whole experience with that. Again, go check out my blog. I go into a little bit more detail with the stuff uh, on our website. And you're go ahead. You're going to start doing the, 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 the blog more often too, correct? Well, the blog, uh, I mean, ideally what we would like to do is maybe like accompany some of our bigger episodes or some of our, you know, I want to do one on the Eleusinian Mysteries because we're going to do an episode on that coming up here that I've been working on. It'll be our mm-hmm. Ancient Greece Part 5. Um, and uh, I would like to write one about that. And then, um, yeah, like I, I want you to write one too with your whole recent spiritual awakening and stuff like that too. And uh, yeah, it's just there to accompany our podcast. When something's important, you know, we can write about it. 
I don't know if you want me writing something, but I, I'll <laughs> I write told it. You I'll, I'll, proof, I'll, proof, I'll edit and proofread it. it for you. <laughs> Maurice is very dyslexic. No, but, but again, I was thinking about that the other day. Maybe that's just the story that I've been telling myself for so long where when you're in school and the teacher's like, oh, you have a problem, but then over time you're just telling yourself that you're dyslexic. And I write. I don't care if it's have a song Have you tried to like, pay attention more to it? Like, Have you tried to... like? put more of an effort like when you're writing something like think about it like a little bit more or is it just hard to do like what's going I on think i've i'm always more of the of the content i don't really give a damn about the, the commas and this and the spelling and all that especially with well but that's my sections. point is you that's the english language you have to care about mm, the commas yeah. and the periods and the you know but I'm an idea man. I would rather like when I when I used to write comedy, my roommate would actually type it all. So I would just walk and I would walk back and forth. This, this is when I smoked cigarettes yeah. at the same time, and I'd be smoking my cigarette and I'd just be talking, giving ideas and stuff like what that. Are you, I Mike Myers, talking. and so I married an axe murderer. <laughs> I always thought it was way more important to have the idea than to have the actual skill to to put it down. That's yeah. just my opinion. But we need both people in the world, so yeah. Um. I think, you know, do you have any more recent uh, mystical ones or something else? Like, did, what about the... Well, I did have a couple of experiences in the summer, but I, I don't even want to talk about them because I, it was it was the epitome of just drinking booze, and then at 2.30 in the morning, you're all buzzed up, and someone has a size mushrooms, and you just take a handful of them, and again, like, it's it was stupid. There was no purpose. There was no, like pre-planned uh destination i needed to get to and again you know we were kids partying and stuff like that but um i i this one time i did it i wasn't even oh actually you know what me and uh on fat earth comedy the last uh writer's room me and uh my co-host big jimmy we each ate 0.5 and these were pretty damn good mushies because i was pretty buzzed and the episodes, like one of our best, like we were very intuitive to each other. We would let let each other finish what they were saying, and it, it almost it, it seems like it opened our minds. So maybe it was just a, because you had a more potent batch then. They were probably more fresh. The band, yeah. They're probably more fresh, yeah. or maybe even I know for me the the um, what are they called? The penis envy ones are the ones that I uh, I know golden teachers too. Um, I mean, I guess it just depends. They're just different strains of psilocybin. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I remember I, I ate point... Me me and three other people split an eighth, and we were all tripping pretty hard. So that like <laughs> there was this one batch that we got one summer that it was super... Because I, I wasn't even trying to like trip. I just ate a mushroom. It was probably 0.75, and boom, this thing skyrocketed me into a, into a space. I remember I ate like probably 0.5 or something at like a fish show. Um, and to be honest with you, it's probably one of the harder times I've tripped too. So I don't know if those were something nuts, like some super potent strain or something. I don't even know what kind they were. I've never had, a, it was kind of like a little bit of a different trip too, but, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, you, you gotta know where you're getting, you know, your stuff from and how potent they are and all that kind of stuff. So, but back to the, the, to the, the trip I had in Aspen, um, I was it, there was like no visuals. It was all mental. So What's maybe the, I wasn't. Have you ever seen the gold flakes? By the way, on the like I, we used to get these ones back in the day in high school. They'd have like uh, like gold yeah, like gold that. flakes on the uh, on the on the, the caps. 
No, well, some on the caps, but they're more on the uh, the uh, spores. Mm. Yeah, I always try and find the spores because I think that if the if the actual cap hasn't opened, that more of the psilocybin's like trapped inside. I don't know if that's a myth. Yeah, but it makes sense to me. So I don't know. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know enough about the cultivation aspect of it. I've always just been more of a, you know. Do crunch and go, yeah, type. yeah, <laughs> but no, you know, crunch wrap so, supreme. I'm so thankful for that experience because now I'll I'll never look at them at the, the in the same way. Like I I we've we've had Tom Lane on, we've talked about sacred mushroom rituals mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. But in our society, there's still this. Well, we'll give thanks to Eminem for 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 having this come out. But it's like, oh, mushrooms. We're gonna take them. We're gonna go to a concert. We're gonna party and this and that. And mm-hmm. it's not like that. And Again, this is coming from me. You can do whatever you want, but I, I'll always look at them as more sacred and going into them with a purpose, going into them with an end game. Somebody then you're going to get something you, out of it. Have you ever done 20 to 30 dried gram range? Hell, I mean, <laughs> I've done 10. No, I I've done four. Well, I've done 10. I've done 10, and then the next day I took some too. That was when we were on that trip. Um, mm-hmm. that camping trip that we mentioned, what episode was that? Was that part one or part two? I forget. I don't know. I think it was part one. Um, but I've done 10. That was the most I've ever done, um, at one time. And that was like everything peeling back and everything turned into one and stuff like that. So I can't even imagine doing double or triple that amount. That's just insane. Um, so you've, so that the, when you did the 10, that was the hardest you've ever tripped on psilocybin yes yeah yeah i'm just curious like maybe you got a batch of that you had like five grams and they were super super potent and yeah i mean i don't know what that will do that that uh that mdma at that fish show we did that was probably one of the harder times i've i've i wasn't even expecting visuals because we did that you know a few times leading up to that and i hadn't mm-hmm. experienced it but then we took like what 0.3 each i think is what i gave are you why are you asking me i had a little bag i was yeah. finger dipping and I, I wasn't weighing this shit out i, I gave us <laughs> I, I gave us each 0.3 and uh dude i was seeing multicolored jellyfish hours later laying in bed closed eye open eye visuals it was insane um See, I drank on on them, so well, I drank on that dose, so it, it kind of dulled it a little bit for me. But I used to love that shit, and I think I'm just, just, just over that that altered state, man. I think mm-hmm. I I love look. It's like this: the higher you get, the lower you get, and I don't want to be that low anymore. I'd rather be nice and steady. Mm-hmm. Like you're gonna have ups and downs in your life, and you can do things. Like I drink caffeine and I smoke a little reefer and this and that, but. I don't want to be shot out of a cannon because I know I'm going to come crashing down at some point. It's just not worth it to me. And that was one of the reasons I quit drinking altogether is just, yeah, you'd have fun that night, but then you'd right. be hung over for a day or two. Like, that's just wasting your life. Well, that's why I say it's a waste, too, to take them, like, two days in a row, too. And there's almost something about the second day that's, like, it always feels like a Sunday or it's, like, depressing. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like, it's not... Yeah. Um, well, you just expelled half of your, well, if not half, more than your all your serotonin in your mind. Well, I mean, are you expelling it, though? Because, I mean, what the psilocybin is doing, it's breaking down in your gut, turning into psilocin, and then it's playing off of your serotonin in your gut. So. Oh, I thought you were talking about the MDMA. No, that, you're probably right about that, but I never did that. 
that was pretty spaced out whenever I've done that. That was never like, oh, I got to do that the next day too. Even if we were, oh, I've never done it the next day either. I was just, but I would be down. I'd be, wouldn't be myself. Right. Now snow in my early twenties. Yeah, that was a bad situation. Um. Okay. So I'm trying to think. What about your? Do you want to talk about your your LSD at the casino? That's almost, almost like a fear and loathing style. Yeah. Well, again, you know, I was drinking. All the stories always <laughs> seem to have that one common thread. So I was drinking and. I met up with a family with uh, one of my one of my buddies. He's, he's he's like in my family and stuff. And um, he pulled out this little piece of paper and he's like, "Here, he goes, you want to try this? Take I take half of it." And I was like, "No way, dude! This thing is a tiny little little piece of paper. I'm eating the whole thing." I uh, so I put that in my mouth and uh, apparently these things were like triple dipped. I think that's a myth. I got to be honest. This, there's no myth because there's bro. only Whatever so I, well here's scientifically i think there's only so much paper can absorb like i don't think you can uh, well that might be a myth i don't know what the fuck was on this thing but uh it was the it was very very potent i'll just say that okay because the guy that gave it to me said that that's the strongest he's ever had and one is is well worth is one is more than plenty but again you know all i did was i came back to my house i just sat in my in one of my uh, couches. Were and you was tripping like, at the casino? Yeah, that's when it started to come on. What was that everything like? Was, it was just, from what I remember, it was just like kind of scary. There was just all the talking and the noise and the floor was, was really like rolling. And we'll go back to the fear and loathing in Las Vegas. Like the floor was just like when he walks in mm-hmm. and it was just too much. It was sensory overload. So I got out of there. And I came back to my house and, uh, yeah, I remember I was just, it messed my stomach up. I had to, I I was on the toilet half the night, but when I was, when I was on the toilet, like I have a couple of rugs in there that have like little threads. He's that sitting pop. there. He's, he's been taking a dump. Somebody goes, he's been taking a dump for an hour. He's literally just looking well, at the rug. It, no, the, well, the rug turned into a straight coral reef. This was an <laughs> amazing visual. And then by my tub, I have like a little corner that kind of collects dirt. Yeah. And this thing was a swirling <laughs> vortex of dirt. And then I was just thinking like, this is where all the dirt goes. <laughs> I, I don't know. You know how your, you know how your mind can, yeah. can, can go, but it was definitely a cool experience. I've done, I did a little acid before that. I took like, like a half a hit of normal stuff hmm. and it was pretty cool. It was just like a little flow and then. You know, you're just thinking to, I can see why microdosing is a big thing now. Cause it's like, you just think outside the box a little bit. Well, yeah, you can, but the first, you can the first cut time one of those tabs up into like 10 little pieces. And, and, you know, there's a lot of like, even tech people are, you know, taking that and getting work done. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I can, I can attest to the, the thinking outside the box, but no, when I took that one, one hit, it's like it's cool that I did it, but I didn't. It, it, it was something that I it was a waste. You probably would have been better dude, off like at your house with like some sort of agenda planned for yourself or something. It would have been way better if I had an agenda. It would have been a lot better if I had a, like a cohort that was doing it with me because mm-hmm. I really could see how when you're on that vibration, how you could connect and then throwing it back to like the Ken Kesey days. I could I could definitely can understand. I I understood it before going to a fish show and they would climax and everybody would be yelling at the same time. And you're like, yeah. wow, this is a, a real collective consciousness in a way. And then throw that out, throw, throw some LSD onto it. And I could really see how 
in their minds that they're going to change the world and this is like mm-hmm. revolutionary and stuff like that, which in a way it was. Well, that we'll do an episode on that coming up sometime in the near future too, uh, like the electric Kool-Aid acid test and the Hell's Angels and you know all that crazy Ken Kesey and all that the Merry Pranksters, all that kind of crazy stuff that was going on at that time. Yeah, um, I mean a lot of that stuff even coincided with like Hunter S. Thompson too. So that was like in a very interesting time. Um, the early days of psychedelics. Most people point to like Timothy Leary and you know Ram Dass and all those guys, and that's all great. But I think that the count the counterculture aspect of it was to me the far more interesting thing that was going on in those years. Well, the, the, the like the Ken Kesey, the Merry Pranksters, they that's exactly what they were doing. They were pranking straight people, have essentially you, have straight you, edge people. Yeah. Have you seen the? Uh, uh, well, I mean, obviously that's like MK Ultra stuff too. Like uh, Joe, what is Joe Rogan always talking about? Operation Midnight Climax, where they're giving prostit or they're having prostitutes give uh, no LSD to people and stuff like that, and then they're trying. No, to- it doesn't yeah. sound good though. Um, but and then there's wow. also. Um, have you seen that uh it's on I think is it on Amazon or Netflix? I think it's called it's called The Other One and it's a documentary about like it's about the Grateful Dead too, but it's mostly about Bob Weir. And he was like really close to Cassidy and uh you know they talk about how he would just drive the bus high on acid through you know, he would just drive somehow, go through all green lights, or just even mm-hmm. when it wasn't a green light, he'd get through safely somehow. Nobody knew how this guy did it. He would just drive and not stop. So um yeah, I don't know. I think yeah, I was, we'll we'll do some stuff on that for sure. Um, I'm trying to think for recent ones for me. Okay, so one of the more recent ones for me was I drank. I put it. It was basically like 2.5, and I made tea. Um, and after I drank the tea. I started to like just sit there in darkness with my eyes closed and um, it's almost like this thing like played out in my mind, like this like imagery and stuff. So I'm on this like plateau um, in like the desert somewhere and I'm overlooking this valley and down in the valley, there's like a pyramid and the sky is like kind of like dark clouds. Um, but the landscape's almost like, Mars, maybe not that red, maybe a little bit lighter. Um, in the pyramid, there's light and numbers and um, like just data flowing like up through the thing into the dark cloud that was above mm. it. Um, and at the time, I thought, wow, this is a pretty mystical experience, you know, like what, because obviously we're always super into ancient Egypt and ancient civilizations and all that kind of stuff. And, um, I, looking back, I somehow think that I was being shown that, like, the information isn't always, like, light. Like, you think of information as being, you're being illuminated, you're, you have information, but some of the information can just kind of get in the way. So you have to be very, I learned how to, like, from that experience, like, I have to be more discerning about, you know, what I look into and how I look into it and that kind of a thing. I'm, I'm, you know, I've been cautious more recently from when we first started anyways, but I think that that was more, you know, like keep on that path because truth does not, um, truth isn't just this, you know, I mean, okay, let's just say there might not be an objective truth, but if there is an objective truth, 
you know, the, the, usually the truth lies somewhere in the middle of all the chaos. Exactly. So, um, so that's kind of, that was a very interesting one to me. And I was just like, like, like I said, on this plateau, I, w- I wasn't like a body or anything too, which is weird. I was just like pure consciousness or being almost like how I am in my dreams. So in my dreams, I never have a body. I'm always just disembodied consciousness. I'm just like through, like imagine looking through your eyes, but then you don't, you're, you couldn't see anything, you know, there's no body or anything. So, mm-hmm. um, so that was kind of an interesting one. Um, another one recently too was, uh, I forget how much it was. It was probably, it was at least 1.75. It might've been a little bit more. And I remember like, again, meditating in darkness. It's like one of my favorite things to do on psilocybin is just like lay there, no music, nothing, just me and the darkness and my, my mind. So I closed my eyes and, um, this thing's telling me, I don't think it was an entity necessarily, but this thing, I don't know what it was. It was just like this, like, there was this like interface between me and whatever, another realm or something. And it was saying, you know, um, this is pure imagination. Like you're in the realm of pure imagination. So this thing was telling me that when you take psilocybin or when you're in that realm, that that's like what your imagination actually is, is you're drawing from that place that you go to when you take psilocybin. Mm. And maybe you can get, you can obviously get there other ways, but that's just what that was showing me. Um, is this that there's this realm of like creativity and imagination and that's what you draw from when you go to that place. So that's why people have these profound experiences um, and come away with things that they can use in the real world if they know how to tap into that. And that's what I was being shown in that experience. Wow. So, I mean, does that make sense or does that sound weird? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a Happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. No, I, 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 it all makes sense, you know. Like I said, everything rings is, is rings true to who you are. So the experience that I have might not have the same effect if you had the same one. You, you gotta go through something that's gonna, you know, penetrate your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, another one. Okay, so. When oh, so we go on that annual trip every year, Hogar, the camping trip. It's this like kind of coming of age slash Eleusinian mystery style thing that we go on. <laughs> it's not there's not like yeah. rituals or anything, but I mean it's rituals in the sense that we kind of do the same stuff every time we go up there. You know, like there's certain things that we do. Um, right. and the one year, um, we what was that three years ago? It was when we either just started the podcast or the yeah, it was just when we just started the podcast. Um, and, um, we've been looking into like esoteric texts and I'm not going to go into specific ones, but you were yelling Melchizedek. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, That one. Uh And Melchizedek is like a high order of priests. And, you know, I think it's found in Genesis. It's a reference to this, um, these beans or this bean Melchizedek. And, uh, some people kind of 
go off the, the deep end with it and say some pretty crazy stuff. But if you look into it, it is actually kind of a, it's a mystical being, um, or order of priest. And, uh, you kept saying it cause you thought it was a funny word, but you kept saying it, you kept saying it, you kept saying it. Then later that night, um, I think we had, we had some MDMA and we had a little, uh, I think Nick had some psilocybin and uh, I kind of took As both. As he usually does. And I took both. And um, I remember going sitting in front of the campfire. We usually build a huge fire, you know, such a hot fire usually. It gets so hot that you can usually throw a can in there and it'll shrivel into nothing within a couple seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had one of those big ones going. And for some reason, everybody else was kind of scattered about the where we go, you know, camping. There's like people have tents set up where people are playing you know, poker and people are playing, you know, fr- you know, glow in the dark frisbee, whatever, cause this was that night. Um, so I'm sitting in front of the fire and, um, I look into the fire and we're in Michigan, we're in up North Michigan and in the fire, I'm not joking you. There's two logs. There's like a log, like I'm looking at the side view of a log on top of another log and they both formed the, 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 the mitten of Michigan. Almost. It looked perfect. Like, it wasn't like perfectly rounded. It kind of had a little point towards the tip and it kind of had, it just, it looked exactly like that. So I don't know if it was the pareidolia of me being under the influence of these substances mixed with looking at these things, but I could swear that both of these logs together looked like the Michigan. Now the thing is, is my, my brain kind of had this like weird focus thing that was happening too. So I kept focusing on it and the more I kept focusing on it, then like a triangle, a triangle of fire, highlighted around it and it also showed this little piece of um like almost like what i would think it was like an island off the coast of michigan and that was on fire too and i don't know what any of this means i've still been thinking about it to this day but um that was a pretty it gave me chills you know and it um okay so and here's where where melchizedek comes into play later that night um we were, you and I were sleeping in the same tent and, uh, I think I was blasting like fish off my phone and we were just listening to like fish, like laying in the tent as we were trying to fall asleep and it started to rain outside. So like there was like a mist going on and, uh, you were still yelling Melchizedek occasionally. And, uh, I'm not joking you, you fell asleep and like this, like big winds started to come in and, you know, all of a sudden there's occasional like thunder and lightning. And then I see this like silhouette of like, uh, like a translucent multicolored, like gray ish alien looking figure on the wall of the tent. And again, I mean, I'm obviously under the influence of MDMA and psilocybin, but that with the Melchizedek, with the, the, the fire, um, you know, I've just, I've never had an experience like that before where I felt like it had meaning to me, but I had to figure out what it was. And I didn't, I, I still, to this day, I understand what part of it is, but I don't know to understand what the other part of it is. Yeah, you know, I mean, a part of you wants to believe that it's just a bunch of coincidences, but then there's another part of you that wants to believe that you're exactly where that that, that happened to me in Aspen. I was like, maybe these are just a, a sequence of events that are totally random, and then it's leaving it up to my mind to make sense of it all. But even if it is that, you're still doing this at the right time. Do you know? You know what I'm saying? Like it's all happening at the right place at the right time, and you're at the right mindset where I knew I had to be alone, and I wanted to work these problems out and then these other things arise and it forces you to put yourself under the microscope so who's to say if it if it was 
created by one thing or the, or the other. The, the bottom line is that it happened and you took something away from it. I, Maybe not that particular I 1,000% feel like something, somebody was trying to message me or convey something to me. I don't know what it was. There was no other than the bean that I saw on the wall of the tent that I just mentioned. Uh-huh. I, I, there wasn't like another entity, but I just fe- I just had that feeling that like something was trying to get a message to me. I don't know. That's just how I felt. Like I said, to this day, I still think about the, 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 you know, picture of the state of Michigan within the triangle on fire. I don't know. You know, I still think about that trying to figure out what that could possibly mean. Cause I've had times where I've been riding my bike and the song hits me just right. And I'm thinking about my buddy who passed away the song hits me just right, then the then the wind picks up and a, a chill comes through my, my body. And again, maybe it's just me putting these things together. Maybe it was him. I have no idea. But if you believe, then what's the difference? That's the kind of thing I'm I'm getting at. Well, yeah, what is it? The McKenna, uh, Terrence, and Dennis both said, you know, if it's if you experience it and it's 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 the real, it's like it's real, it's happening. But the, then can it be applied? to you know the objective world you know that's where mm-hmm. that's where you start to lose kind of some of that you know in transition where you know it might be subjective or anecdotal but if it happened to you it's real now is there any application or any useful information that can be used in you know the waking world or the um the normal consciousness world well i took it as a sign that my buddy was okay and made me feel a little bit more at ease so yeah yeah um, I'm trying to think. Have you have you ever done a psychedelic at a concert or no? Just the MDMA at the fish show that we went to. I've done it at multiple shows. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I also s- used to go to these dance clubs and dance till the sun came <laughs> up. <laughs> Remember that uh, in Detroit they have it's called Funk Night. Um, and there's yeah. like some random once a month they find some random like warehouse or hall or something where they rent out and it's just pure funk james burton's they're spinning james brown they're spinning you know the funkiest stuff you've ever meters yeah Yeah. it was good it was a good Um, time do they still do that do you know i don't know it's not the world that i'm trying to dip my toe into maybe not right now with everything that's right but i thought that was a cool idea though he actually became more mainstream. I don't know what happened but then they started having it at the majestic i'm sure there was a bunch of underground ones going on but the funk night thing is it's so it's pretty much is an after hours. The ones I used to go to wouldn't even start till two a.m. And that's just not the <laughs> circadian rhythm that I'm trying to to, to vibrate on. Again, I, I have Jesus. no problem with people going out dancing and have a good time. Just for me, it's just not it's just not in the cards anymore. Um, yeah. Well, I remember you know the fish show that we saw at Kobo, uh, uh-huh. Kobo Hall. I, I went with Jay and Yorg. And oh then, yeah. And then afterwards, we went to. Uh, funk night and i remember i for some reason i didn't have my id or something i forget what the the case was but the guy goes you can't come in you don't have your id i go dude i'm i'm fucking bald man i'm bald (laughs) like what bald 18 year you know like i guess it's possible but and i have like a beard and stuff too like what you know so that the place where the floor was bouncing yeah what was that it was was like athenian hall or it was like yeah 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 yeah, recall or something yeah that was uh that was an interesting night. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I'm just trying to think. I've done a lot of psychedelics at a lot of concerts. I've done a lot of psychedelics at Fish shows. I've done a lot of psychedelics at Humphrey McGee show. 
mm-hmm. it festival bonnaroo um a lot of the concerts we went to in high school um yeah i've always graduated get gravitated to more of the uh the upper scene which is more of the mdma that kind of that kind of substance obviously booze is in an upper but um i don't know i never really did the the psychedelics and at the shows i i always kind of taken them a little more seriously because i knew what they did to me and it wasn't a joke i just didn't think i could handle it with a big crowd mm. yeah i don't know i'm uh I'm pretty open-minded, even though I'm like health, you know, I'm a pretty healthy skeptic in some regards too. I think that, you know, I've never seen like a UFO per se, other than like meditation or closed-eyed visual, you know, like something like that. You know, I've never seen, I'm not like, you know, staring at the night sky, I guess, every night either, but, yeah. um, you know, I feel like, uh, I don't know, I'm open to one of those experiences. I've just never had one. It's funny you bring that up because we were drive. We drove to Colorado. We live in Michigan. It's like a twenty-hour drive. We were driving back, and I was asking my cousin, "I go, you ever seen a ghost? You ever seen a UFO?" And we were chit-chatting. And he's like, "No, I haven't seen anything." And I shit you not, there in the night sky was the. It must have been a shooting star, but it was literally the most visual. It was. It was so blatant. It was a star on fire that shot down. And I looked at my cousin. He goes. I go, did you just see that? I think it's a shooting star. He goes, that wasn't a reflection. I go, no, dude, that was a shooting star. Yeah. He goes, that was the most, that was the brightest thing I've ever seen in my life. So then we were scouring the countryside trying to see if we could see if this thing like landed. I go, if if it lands, are we going to investigate? He goes, oh, you better (laughs) believe it. We're going to go try and find some moon shards in the real capacity. But no, we didn't see anything, but it was crazy. Like. I've never seen, if it was a shooting star, I've never seen one that close to earth, that bright. And you could see like fire coming off of it. So I don't know. It was a strange adventure. Maybe that was just like the cap to the whole adventure was, oh, you've never seen a UFO? Well, check this out because this is something interesting. Yeah, I I definitely, okay, so you know that Ian J did that author we've had on a couple times mm-hmm. in the past. He lives in Colorado. He he says that he's seen some recent UFO stuff as well. Um, he's had some experiences. He says so. There's something weird about out west, like the desert. You know, that's where they all the nuclear. You know, like there's something weird going on there with uh, all the nuclear testing stuff in the desert. And maybe it's because the desert there's no like tree lines for the most part and you can see a lot more of the sky i don't know if that has anything to do with it but i feel like when you you know if you ever listen to like coast to coast or anything like that i mean those the people that call in are usually from the west coast i'm not saying it doesn't happen there's a lot of sightings here in chicago um yeah new jersey there's a bunch too new jersey that one that one recent one though i think it was the the goodyear blimp that people were seeing that's the problem there's so much stuff up there now it's like when i was in lexington i didn't know what i was seeing i'm sure it was a satellite of of some sort but again i don't know and it was moving all weird so you again you want to believe like if you see a bear out in the woods or you see some hairy creature on its hind legs you're gonna want to believe that it's a bigfoot or something but yeah the reality behind that is that it's probably not um so and uh so shout out to uh somebody just asked uh are you guys familiar with parental yeah so i mean i know a little bit about you know in terms of comparative study you know aldous huxley all that kind of stuff 
Uh, but I'm not. I haven't gone deep into it. So I have the Doors of Perception sitting on my bookstand. I'm ready to read it. Yeah, I have it on audiobook. I've listened to it a few times. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, the John Hopkins. You know, is that the one? There's one that they did with uh, priests too, where or like people that were going into like the seminary or something, and they gave. Uh, who was talking about like Rupert Sheldrake was on like Joe Rogan maybe talking about this I don't really remember exactly who but somebody they were giving like priests or people in the seminary um, and like to this day it was like still the most mystical experience they ever had was taking psilocybin so I mean there's obviously something to it oh yeah um, I mean I, I, I just keep emphasizing the fact that I go into it with some kind of plan and just remember the word sacred mushroom because you, if you tell yourself that over and over, you're not gonna mess around. You're not gonna, yeah. you're not gonna be whooping it up on it. At least I wouldn't. Because then you take it more seriously, and you, you know, you take it as a, as a sacred thing. Well, I think very. I do think it from like when I'm in that state. I do think from like a visionary, philosophical kind of. You know, I'm, I'm looking at it through that lens. You know, I mean, whether it's thinking about Descartes' meditations or Leibniz or all those guys. Um, you know, in terms of what, um, you know, those guys were thinking about even going back to ancient Greece and like the pre-Socratics and Heraclitus and, uh, Socrates and, you know, all those guys and actually, okay. So back to the, the trip report where I was looking at the, the pyramid with the energy or the information being shot out in the sky into the dark cloud, I kind of thought about Socrates in that moment and the fact that Socrates was not a fan of writing things down so it's like how we everything we know about socrates um is from plato and xenophon i mean xenophon wrote about him as if he was just some wise old man obviously mm -hmm. plato you know um wrote this guy into uh infinity in terms of uh i mean he might be in the in our vocab for a very long time you know it's already been a while oh so. I fly, yeah he's, he'll be there he'll so be there. but uh in terms but i thought about socrates in that sense that like maybe we shouldn't be so bogged down by just the data and information like there's more there's something to, to like the experience of things and like whether it's a psychedelic experience or experience in meditation there's knowledge to be gained with that that even though it's anecdotal or subjective i feel like is far more important than somebody chipping away at some idea that's going to take another 10 years anyways you know so i don't know just my own uh my own two cents on that one um and yeah i, I think that uh i don't know i don't you know now that i'm getting you know we're we're not that old but we're getting older i don't have <laughs> the same drive to like look for these substances as i did at one point, you know, so, mm -hmm. um, well, I'm more on the achieving the high without drugs at all. Well, yeah, that, I, that's why I meditate. I feel like I can kind of get to a similar place with meditation. Right. But that, well, that works when you're alone. I'm, I'm more of this cause I still go out. I still go to the bars and there was a period where when you don't drink, you go to the bar and you feel like you're this like outcast. And mm -hmm. for some reason, when you have that drink in your hand, it gives you like the okay to be yourself or, to like loosen up and be goofy and then it took me a hot minute but sooner or later I i'm like why you, do i need when you were drinking you are a funny son of a bitch and you're fun to be around but 
you can't play that archi- that Joker or that you know Jester archetype your whole life. You you know you'll be you'll get to the place where you are now where you're kind of dealing with some sad shit. You know, right? But I but I first of all when I get to that place then the, there was a thin line between being the Joker and being the fool. And now I I I don't know. I went to our canoe trip where you know there's a lot of people drinking and stuff. I didn't I didn't drink and I still joked with the best of them and whooped it up and. I think uh, once you get used to it, now I can go to the bar. I'll I'll have like a, a a coke or, you know, maybe just even some water. But it's like I don't need the booze to be myself, and mm. I know deep down in myself that I'm a funny guy and I'm a, I'm a good time to be around. So then I just become myself, and I don't need that 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 booze to mm. to to open me up and stuff like that. But you know, that's that's my journey, and I don't push this on anybody. If you want to go out and have a couple of brews, that's a okay with me. Um, it's definitely implemented into our society and it's not going anywhere. So I've seen this kid after he gets drunk too, he just sits, he gets some food and then he sits there and puts one hand halfway down his pants. Like he's Al Bundy <laughs> and, he, and he, and he looks so roughed up. His hair's hey, disheveled. Tag. He's like, I gotta go to bed and he doesn't want to go to bed, but it's funny. It's, it is funny, but, um, well, we've had some good times. We're getting older, like you said, and your life changes. As your body chemistry changes every seven years, your mind should as well. Mm-hmm. We all should be on a, a a path to the best possible being we can be. And uh, that's it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just trying to think if there's <laughs> anything else, because I do, maybe we'll do a part four where we just kind of go over it all and kind of, you know, ponder yeah, sum all. it all up. Yeah, but I'm just trying to think if there's... Uh, if there's anything else I want to, sh- I mean, because I've had, I mean, I've, I counted, I think it was like 150, 160 psilocybin trips. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, it's, it's been, yeah, that's, that's it's been about twenty, it's been about twenty, in about twenty years, and a couple of those years I didn't take anything. So, um, well, again, I'm glad that you found something that works for you. Everybody's different, and it's, if you again, find it's not a works- silver bullet. It's like a, an ongoing right. thing, you know. It's like, yeah. the you know, THC and CBD obviously also helps, you know, I like edibles. I like, um, you know, the pens and the, I don't, I used to dab, you know, a few years ago I was dabbing, but you can't keep up. That's just, I don't know. There's something like I become unproductive when, when I get into that realm. So I stop. Well, yeah. When you abuse anything, it's all, it's not even abuse. It's just, you get too blown out. It's just too much. Uh huh. It, that you know that, that what's interesting about my experience in Aspen was, I, I always knew that these that psychedelic mushrooms, sacred mushrooms, could help with mental problems, but I didn't know how it how it helped. Mm. It's like, does it all of a sudden just make it go away? Does it like? Well, there's I don't a fine know what the line. Happens. There's a fine line too because I think even uh, Hamilton Morris from Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia talks about he is you know one of his experiences he had with one of his friends. Um, I think it was like a psilocybin derivative or something like that. Um, the guy went crazy after just taking this one thing and never recovered in his mind. So if you're on the verge of schizophrenia or you have, you know, it's, you have history of it in your family or something, you should definitely talk to a doctor before you start doing this stuff because you could, it might help people that have had, you know, psychotic breaks or OCD or anxiety or whatever. But if you, if you, don't you know if you've never had that it might induce that so it's kind of this weird thing you gotta just gotta be careful with you know 
Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, I shared my story for a reason because I think it can help people. But at the same time, you have to be careful. These are like you mentioned, these are not a, a game. It's not a toy. This is sacred and it's medicine and it's supposed to be treated with reverence and understanding. Yeah. Yeah, for, for sure. And we can't emphasize that enough, folks. What we say here is is, is our own stories and we're not out there uh, telling you what to do. Or we know we we, can't, we don't even pretend to know what's right for you. We just kind of know what's right for ourselves. Well, and that's why we also added those you know tears to our Patreon too. You know, if you, people want to share their stories with us and we can read them live on air, we you know I'm all for that. If people want to share um, their personal experiences and we can go through that, obviously. But um, yeah, it's just yeah, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, everybody's different. Everybody has their own body chemistry and, and um, thresholds and different things. So. Um, but, uh, beautiful. Yeah. I think that that was a good one. Um, we got kind of into some of the more interesting ones of the recent years. Um, yeah, I just want to, I don't want to leave anything out. Cause like I said, we'll do part four where we do a recap, but I'm just trying to think if there's any, I, I've probably had some more profound ones, but, um, I mean, the ones that you touched on were the stories that I've heard multiple times. So those are obviously the ones that are the standouts. Right in your life, and uh, yeah, I'm glad that we got to share some of them. Maybe and like, we'll I, be able- like I said, a majority of them happened at like Fish concerts and Umphreys McGee concerts and all sorts of like jam bands and stuff like that too. So even if I were to go into them, it's like I'm at a concert. There's no real, you know, it doesn't really matter. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. you get the vibes, you get the tingles, you know, you get the good the good feelings, and you're dancing and you're having a good time. But that's, mm-hmm. that's not yep. really a good trip report, in my opinion, unless there's like stories that happen before the show and middle of the show and at, you know something like that. So, yeah, for sure. Um. All right. So let me pull up. Uh, Let's get those plugs, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Check out us on Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/MindEscapePodcast. There's the rundown. We just added some tiers. Uh, we'll be adding some more um, at some point, I think, uh, maybe some in-between ones. And um, if you have a good idea for a tier too, send us a message. I'm I'm always open to new ideas and suggestions. So, um, And uh, you can check out, go to indrasweb.org and sign up. You will get an alert when the app goes live. So Indra's Web is an app that me and uh, a friend of the show, um, have developed. Um, it's similar in, in in regards to the platform to DMT World. If you've ever been on there, um, but Indra's Web is dedicated to connecting open minds. So if you um, on there right now, we have like a metaphysics category. We've got you know ancient civilizations. We've got UFOs. We've got paranormal. We've got philosophy. We've got all sorts of different stuff. So if you have an open mind and you want to talk about you know, some theory or hypothesis or something where, you know, you want to have a real conversation about it. Um, I'd say that this is going to be the place to have that because there's just so much BS on, you know, the more mainstream social media apps. So this social media app will be more geared towards just the kind of topics that we talk about on the show and, you know, similar shows and friends shows that we, uh, have had people that we've had on and been on their shows as well. So, Check that out. And again, on Monday, on Monday, I will be uh, helping moderate uh, Tom Lane's uh, segment for the Psilocybin Summit. Uh, so go to psilocybinsummit.com. 
Uh, you can sign up to get you know, Pat, you can watch all the different uh, speakers. They've got like Paul Stamets, Dennis McKenna. I mean, there's a ton of people on there. So go check that out for awesome. sure. Um, and as I mentioned on Monday, uh, I will be helping Tom Lane and he's going to talk about sacred mushroom ceremonies and, uh, the deified heart. And I believe, yeah, that starts at five fifteen Eastern time. Oh no. Is that, oh no, that's his talk tomorrow. I think there's the, uh, five fifteen. Yeah. And then on Monday, I don't know what time it is yet, but I'll post that on our thing. So you can take a look at that. Um, and so that's going on all weekend then, huh? Yeah, all weekend. Like I said, they've got some great speakers. Um, I forget the full list, but yeah, like the big the big guns, Paul Stamets, Dennis McKenna, Tom Lane, you know, all those guys. So you got to check it out. Um, and uh, is that it? It was good. A little that's rough, it. A little rough around the edges here. I'm not going to lie. No, I thought it was a good episode. I think there were some good uh, tidbits in there, and that's what it's all about. We don't have to have a no, perfectly thought- smooth cast. I thought we found a, stuff out yeah, there. I thought we found a nice flow there for sure. I'm not discounting that. I think that there's something that feels more genuine. I've you know the last we've taken what well, it's been what two weeks since we did our last one. Yeah, I mean that's probably one of the longer breaks we've taken of late. Um, I moved, so I moved to a new place, and now I've you know the good thing about this is we can do episodes whenever and I don't have people screaming through the walls from the neighbors, hey. with, you know, so, yeah. uh, got himself a new chair, ladies and gentlemen, got a new chair, nice, I got a nice new studio. I got a chair. new desk coming tomorrow actually. Um, so, uh, yeah, the new setup and it should be more crisp too, because my internet connection is a lot better here as well, because uh, I believe some neighbors were, uh, siphoning a little bit of our yeah, internet. Suckling but. off your, uh, <laughs> your, your electronic teat, if you will. <laughs> um, so yeah, so this is this is a good good things. And then Maurice was obviously hiking uh, near Aspen, so mm-hmm. nice little two week hiatus, and uh, we'll get back into the swing here. So it's always tough in the summertime, but I I hope everybody's having a good uh, end of the summer and um, onward and upward. Everybody, stay safe out there. We love you, and uh, we'll catch you soon. Peace. Peace.